<clears throat> Father, we're just asking. We need a supernatural impartation of your joy. God, thank you, like it says in Nehemiah, that the joy of the Lord will be our strength. We're just asking, Jesus, um, God, overcome fear, depression, anxiety, discouragement, Lord, all the things that rage against our souls day to day, especially in this season, God. You know the deep places we hurt. You know the woundings in our families, God. And we just ask, Lord, bring your joy, we ask. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Karen and John. Thank you. Okay, I need a few more volunteers. Hey, we got about we got enough pink sheets here for about half of you. So if you've already if you've already gotten one, uh, please don't take one. All right, volunteers are streaming up to help. They're just running up for an opportunity to serve God and His church. There they are. Okay, <laughs> if you don't have this pink sheet, make sure you get one. We are continuing during this Advent what we're calling the Great Adventure, and this adventure is an adventure in giving. God has called us as a people to be hilarious givers, like Barnabas in the book of Acts, when he showed up laying down at the apostles' feet all the money that he had gotten from one of the fields that he had sold. And we feel like God's calling us to be a part of his purposes on the earth and the way that he's doing it first by saying, Lord, we're all in. And we show that we're all in by, um, oftentimes by our, our purse, our pocketbook. Okay, Jesus was clear about that. It says, where your heart is or your treasure will be also. Okay, we've highlighted a couple of projects already. We've highlighted the harbor and just our needs here. Last week we highlighted France. And today we're going to highlight in Iraq a work among orphans that is really incredible. It's actually unbelievable what God has done, the open door that God has given uh, to World Orphans, an organization that we know of. So you're, you can just look over those, those pink sheets, and um, we're about to take the offering. And I want to make a few things clear, because we want to make Sarah DeBear's life really easy. What you want to do when you give your tithe and offering now today, <clears throat> excuse me, you want to... Put your name on this blue envelope. You want to put in whatever monetary instruments you want to put in there. We can't handle credit cards yet, but one day, we'll see. Just throw it in. Cash check. And then you just want to delineate for us what you're wanting to do. You want to give X dollars to Tithe, and we're going to have X dollars to India, or X dollars to Iraq, or France, okay? You don't have to just give to Iraq today. But do know this, that if you throw in any extra change and it's undesignated, that's just going to go to Iraq today, because that's what we're doing today. Okay? Awesome. I want to show you where this project is. Amanda's going to help me get to, <laughs> excuse me, Iraq. Okay. So get yourself situated in the Middle East here. And you see Iraq there in the middle. And the marker there at A is where Saran, Iraq is. It's strategically located at the Turkish and Iranian borders. And so actually the people, although they're Iraqi by nationality, you see God is great there. I'm sure all of you can read Arabic. Allah, he's great. But this people will more identify with the Kurds because they're, they're Kurdish up there in the northern part of Iraq. And I'm going to try to let Billy Ray to share his story. Actually, this is what I'm going to... We're good? Yeah, we think we're good. Okay, we're going to listen to the audio here. This is my friend Billy Ray. Listen to what he has to say about this project. We need lots of volume. Greetings to all of you in Boston, and I uh, just want to introduce myself. My name is Billy Ray. I'm from Texas, though I've lived many different places in, in England, in Turkey, and now in Iraq. Uh, God has called us to this country. We've been here about a year and a half. Um, we were trained up in the Antioch Training School there with uh, Neil Hubacher back in 1997, uh, 98. And Neil and I have known each other since 1991. I remember we were prayer partners in the dorm there at Baylor University. 
and God knit our hearts together and just so thankful for his friendship. But uh, God has uh, really used uh, the Antioch church there in Waco to set us off on uh, on God's calls for our lives. And Neil's gone to Boston and I've ended up in Iraq here. And uh, what we're doing here is uh, I work for World Orphans and our desire is to encourage the local indigenous church to care for widows and orphans throughout the world. We work in about 36 countries right now and we've, uh, we've built over 500 orphan homes and that's our goal uh, here in Iraq as well. Uh, we want, uh, first of all, that we're, God has given us favor to build a community center uh, amongst a village already of widows and orphans. Uh, many of these people died fighting Saddam and um, and so the government gave houses as gifts really to um, to the families and the husband or the, the wives um, that the men left behind and so that was the, the government immediately sort of pointed us in that direction that said look what can you can you help us with these widows and orphans and said we'd be glad to help and so they gave us an acre of land and it's uh, we'll be building a community center there as well as a two or three orphan homes on the property a, a playground center um, Neil has expressed his desire to come and visit and see it um, you can uh, view more photographs of it at rescueiraq.com uh, is my blog there uh, but yeah, we're really just um, looking at the end of the year and trying to raise a little more funds um, to see the project continue. This Sunday, uh, we will be putting the ceiling up on the first floor. So God is really pushing the project forward. We just broke ground like two months ago. And I'll put up some pictures of that. And uh, But just want to thank you for your support and prayers during this time. And really the key aspect of this project is that it's just it's located 14 miles from the Iranian border and just 23 miles from Turkey in a very strategic place where there has not been an evangelical witness ever and we just see this as an opportunity really as that God is using us to build a platform for the church to begin working in that area eventually plant a church in that area and reach out to the surrounding territory so if you're, we just want to covet your prayers during this time and know that um, Satan doesn't like to give up ground anywhere in this world, and particularly not in the strategic areas this is. So thank you so much for your prayers, and God bless you all there in Boston, and we'll be thinking of you this Christmas holidays. God bless you. Amen. There you go. I'm just kind of proud because I got all my hair. My friend Billy Ray doesn't. We're the same age. <laughs> I'm looking better. Look what happens. Dorm. Prayer partners in the dorm. Look what God can do. Send you to different parts of the world. It's wonderful. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward now. We're going to take this offering. And remember, God loves a hilarious giver. He loves a cheerful giver. And um, amen. Father, transform us. We just confess our fear and our flesh always wants to hoard and keep and hold. Lord, you're asking us to pry our fingers off everything we're trying to control so lord you can rule and reign in our hearts thank you what matters here is obedience to god and not to men we just trust you as our provision as we give hilariously we pray for the work in iraq lord that that thing would be built and that a life-giving church would be just birthed in in northern iraq there and that's what we're given to we bless you lord amen
Amen. Okay. If you want to put the, um, also if you're filling out one of the blue forms, the guest uh, visitor information cards, that can go in this basket as well. <coughs> Excuse me. So many sad moments I always hate to come to, but I'm going to have to ask Angela Lux to come on up. I'm going to ask Bonnie Miriam. Is Bonnie here? Bonnie, why don't you come on up too? <coughs> Angela Lux, where are you? There she is. Come on up. Don't delay. Delay not. Angela Lux has been with us for a year or more, a little more than a year, originally here to study at Gordon-Conwell Seminary, and is totally thrown in with the harbor back when we were a wee little church. And um, what I can tell about Angela, she is a woman of the prophetic. She encourages people like nobody's business. She's encouraged me and my wife and my child. Actually, she's had uh, words for our child also. Jaron is his name. I can call him by his name. But um, he just had awesome... (laughs) She's had awesome words for us. This is a sad moment because she's transitioning back to her native Oklahoma. We just want to send her in the joy and the peace of the, excuse me, of the Lord. And um, Bonnie, if you want to just say a word about Angela and then pray, it'd be great. This is going to get awkward again. Jim, I think we can work. Okay. Jim is Bonnie's husband. I just don't want him to think. Wife. Sorry. No, Jim is your... Oh, okay. Test, test. Okay, there you go. You're good. Yes. Okay, we can keep it clean. So I didn't know I was doing this, and I was in tears this morning thinking about Angela leaving, so hopefully I can talk well right now about her, because Angela is just one of the dearest sisters in Christ that I know, and um, we are releasing her, but it is with a lot of sadness that we're seeing her go, but we know that God has um, awesome things in store for her, and um, she has just been an amazing friend, and um, part of this community from the beginning. I think Angel is one of the first people who came to the harbor, and she came in, and, and she came back, and we're like, there's like eight of us here, and you want to come back? Thank you. <laughs> um, so we just have loved having Angela part of this community from the beginning, and are so thankful for the time that she served so faithfully here. Um, so if you would just extend a hand towards Angela and pray with me. God, we just thank you um, for this sister, Lord. We thank you for the time that you had her here um, and for all that you accomplished through her. God, I pray that um, there would just be a double portion and inheritance of the work that she did here, God, that she wouldn't even know about until she enters your kingdom, Lord. We'll hear testimonies about how you used her um, in the harbor, God. And we thank you that as she's going, God, it's good that she goes, that you have plans for her, that it's better that she goes, God. And so we release her into your plan, into your will, God. We play a, pray a abundant blessings on her um, as she goes back to Oklahoma, God, and we just ask your blessing on her, God, and um, I, and just as this last week as she's preparing to go, God, that it would just be a sweet time, um, but she would just know in her spirit that this is right, God. Um, and so again, Lord, we just thank you so much for her and pray um, a double portion inheritance in Oklahoma as she goes there, Lord. We thank you. Amen. 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 Hey, let's give a round of applause for Angela. Amen. (laughs) Awesome. Hey, take about 25 seconds, greet someone around you, give them your level of holiday stress right now. Okay, go for it. Okay, awesome. People are getting free. I love it. Just by unloading a little bit, you are getting free. Okay. (laughs) Some of you know an inside joke right there. So... (laughs) I said the word okay. I'm trying to get better. (sighs) 
We are at the beginning of the end with this Go With The Flow series. Remember that we began at our second year anniversary, August 30th, 2009, saying, Lord, we believe that you're teaching us about the person of the Holy Spirit. And we feel like God had really given us this verse to start with, where from John 3, 8, Jesus is describing people of the Spirit by saying, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. We proceeded to say, God, we need to know more about this person, the Holy Spirit. And so we looked at the book of John, said, Jesus, show us who the Holy Spirit is. We looked also then, we started going chronologically through Paul's letters. We started with Galatians. I realize we can argue that chronolog- chronology. Great. Let's have a good argument. First Thessalonians. And now we, we get to 1 Corinthians. And this is a great place for us to end. And the reason is because what Paul's main concern in this letter is, what does it look like to be people of the Spirit Okay, or a spirit man, a spirit person. What does it look like? What does a mature person of the spirit look like? Now, we have an interesting, wonderful situation here at the harbor. I love it. I couldn't have planned it. It's just the way it is. And that situation is is that the harbor is kind of like I was telling John. It's kind of like we're pastoring two churches in one way. We've got a church of about 100 core local people, and it's wonderful. Then we add the students, and our church becomes about 200 plus. So... My concern is, is that especially with a lot of this instruction in the spirit that Paul's going to give us, and it's going to be so helpful for us as a church, how we walk this thing out is, during this series, it's been a lot of the students that have been asking me a lot of questions. Tell me about this. You know, what about this gift? And why do you guys do this? And what is your thought on this? What's the theology behind this? And so I don't want to preach a series um, here on 1 Corinthians and have all the students be out of town. So what we're going to do is we're going to start this now, Okay. We're going to probably take a few Sundays in 1 Corinthians because it's so important to where we are. And then we're going to pick it up back on January 17th, okay? January 17th, probably on the 24th and 31st. Then we get to World Mandate. We're going to have a heck of a time. It's going to be wonderful, wonderful. Then in the meantime, all you locals, don't go away. I've got a wonderful mini-series for us um, starting next Sunday, the 20th, 27th, 3rd and 10th of January. It's going to just be a great thing to bring us into the new year. Just kind of evaluating where you've been and where you're going in the Lord for 2010. So don't miss that if you're around. You want to come? We're going to be mini but mighty. Okay, everyone say mini. Everyone say mighty. mighty. We're going to be mini but mighty. It's going to be wonderful. It's even mighty God. Okay, thanks. Okay, First Corinthians, right? So we're asking the question, who are we to be as people born of the Spirit, as Spirit people? <clears throat> I got a lot to say. Lord, I'm just going to pray because um, I just want to be the Father that God has called me to be. Uh, to the church. Father, we just ask for your spirit. Thank you. Um, Holy Spirit, you're the Lord, and where the Lord is, there's freedom. Where the spirit is, there's freedom. And uh, Lord, I'm just asking for great clarity, and just that the heart of Jesus would come through. And we're just saying all, Lord. We all just say, Lord, teach us what it means to be spirit people, uh, people who are mature, mature women and men of the spirit, which is what Paul was after in his letter and in his love to the church at Corinth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, hey, if you're not there already, get to 1 Corinthians. We're going to have a good time. <clears throat> the first thing that I need to address is, and actually, um, uh, Amanda, why don't we move just to the next slide. One thing we need to know, and I know there's a whole breadth, this is, this is, there's a whole breadth of, of, of uh, background here on the things of the Spirit. 
the thing we know for sure as far as Paul's work with the churches was that all of the Pauline churches, some of you are going to love this, some of you aren't going to like this, but all of the Pauline churches were charismatic in the sense that when Paul planted a church, what usually happened was the, the, the gathering that would be produced would be a church that regularly kind of prayed and prophesied. It's, it's there in here, and, um, and there was just a, a great demonstration of signs and wonders and miracles in all the churches that Paul planted. So I just want to get that out there right now. A few of you might not come back, but Paul's churches were charismatic, okay? I know it's a loaded word, but they were. And so we come from that point as we start to do this, okay? Now the thing is, just like we're going to find out as we go into 1 Corinthians 1, so there are some kind of massive abuses at the church in Corinth. And so notice that Paul's starting point isn't, hey, forget the whole spirit thing. You know, it's like someone has said the, the, the antidote for misuse isn't not use, but the antidote for misuse is proper use. So Paul comes from that point of we're going to talk about the proper use of the giftings and the fruit and the works of the Holy Spirit. So just keep that in mind. So we are to be spirit people. Everyone say spirit people. Okay, God's called us to be a spirit woman, a spirit man. Look at Zach's interpretation of that mature follower of Jesus. Boom, on fire with the Holy Spirit. And yet mature and not being uh, spiritually proud about it. You can tell. Look at that. He's humble. Okay, awesome. 1 Corinthians 1. (coughs) 1 Corinthians 1. We're going to start right at verse 4. I'm reading from NIV. I always thank God for you. Paul's letter to the Corinthians. By the way, this is probably his second letter. This is probably the third letter in exchange. Paul wrote to the Corinthians. They wrote back with some specific questions. And then he's writing back, kind of giving them a little little chastisement, a little direction. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you've been enriched in every way in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. This guy, Paul, is an awesome pastor. And let me tell you why. I don't know if you're noticing what's in these few verses, but essentially in verses 4 through 8, he just summarized the whole letter. There are words in here that are keys to everything he's going to get after. And I don't know about you, but I call it, when I need to um, offer someone a gentle rebuke, I try to make what I call an encouragement sandwich. Hey, you're doing great here. This is where you've got to improve. By the way, you're great. Love you. You know what I'm saying? And Paul has just written an incredible encouragement sandwich right here. Let's go word by word and check out what he's saying and look at all the themes that he's pulling out already. He's about to nail them (laughs) and he's doing it in love. So this is what it looks like. Okay, always thank God for you because of his grace. There's that word, charis, right? Charismata. I thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. And right there, he's bringing them center right there. Okay, the problem with the church in Corinth is that they've become spiritually proud Because there has been just an incredible demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit. And right there, Paul's centering him back down and saying, Look, guys, first of all, the source is God. It's all His grace, right? And the center of it is Christ Jesus. So I want to say this. Hey, as spirit people at the harbor, we're going to be Christ-centered. Everyone say Christ-centered. Okay, the Holy Spirit and the manifestations, which I want them all because Paul wants them all. 
The manifestations and the gifts, the fruits and, and fruit of the Spirit are for the church, but they'll always be Christ-centered. But look at how Paul is saying it, okay? For in Him you have been enriched in every way. I'm at verse 5 now. In all your speaking and in all your knowledge. Ooh, speaking, uh, <clears throat> logos, that's right, okay. Speaking, logos, Greek, and knowledge, gnosis. And isn't it interesting that of all the gifts and all the fruit and all the works of the Spirit that Paul chooses those two things to start with? Why does he start with them? Because these are the very places where the Corinthians are having some problems, right? He says, I thank you, you've been enriched. He acknowledges it's God. But he says, hey, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, speaking, logos, right? That's the big issue they have is they're a little out of whack with all things prophetic and they're a little out of whack with all things tongues. And he's trying to bring them back and say, hey, You've been enriched. I acknowledge. Yes, speaking. You guys are great, right? Tongues, prophecy, all that. All your God talk. It's good. And in your uh, (laughs) knowledge, gnosis. Because what's happening, since Paul has left, they've gotten all spiritually proud. It's kind of a Greek thing to do. They've gotten really proud because they've kind of come on this idea that there's a higher wisdom. And, oh, we're so wise. And, you know, Paul just was, was, okay, he was cool. He got this thing started. But really, we, we've achieved a higher wisdom. We, we want other teachers. We don't really need Paul anymore. And there's this, the wisdom is their kind of their deal. And Paul's saying, yeah, God's given you speech and he's given you wisdom. He's enriched you. But listen, here comes little Paul's defense of his ministry. Another major theme in this letter is, look, verse 6, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. In other words, Paul's saying, hey, I shared the gospel. God showed up in signs and wonders. It's all, it's, and, and, you know, like, uh, Paul's saying, I brought this, you know, and uh, um, he's not a proud man. He's just saying, um, <clears throat> these gifts and, and the wisdom that is, they, they started with me, okay, and not me like I'm the man, but it started with God, but with my preaching to you, okay? He's just bringing them back to how it all started. <laughs> and therefore, again, verse 7, therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift, okay, boom. Now look, how does he frame it? You don't lack any spiritual gift, right? You guys got a bunch. As you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Again, one of the major issues here for the Corinthians was they were just thinking, we're having this already heavenly experience. When we get together, everyone's praying in tongues and, wow, it's awesome. And, you know, they're just like, heaven's now. You know, that's kind of one of the issues that Paul's addressing is we're enjoying heaven now. And Paul's saying, hold on, okay? Spiritually mature people are Christ-centered as in, some of you can hear, can you hear the words of first, those of you who know 1 Corinthians 13, can you hear those words resounding? Because what it's going to say is, hey, prophecy is going to cease, tongues are going to cease, but in the end, it's all about Jesus, okay? Do I want tongues in our midst? Absolutely, because the Bible says it, because um, Paul says it, you know, although it, just how it happens in public is the issue. Do I want you to prophesy? Absolutely, we want it, but it's always going to be Christ-centered, and we're always going to be remembering that there is a glory coming that will way exceed any spiritual experience that you'll ever have here. I hope you do prophesy. We're, we, we taught on it. We're going to teach on it more. I hope you do speak in tongues. And we're going to give a teaching about that in January. But the thing that we must remember is that it's all because Jesus Christ is coming again. And all of our tongues and all of our prophesy and all of our church activity is just going to melt away at the glory of God. He's framing this whole discussion. You guys with me on this? Amen? All right. We're to be Christ-centered. Everyone say Christ-centered. Because that's what Paul wanted. He wanted us all to be Christ-centered. It's what Jesus wants. <laughs> okay, second thing. Spirit people. Let's see. 
Did I forget anything? That's good enough. <clears throat> okay. Second thing we're to be is power-driven. Everyone say power. Power-driven. Power we are to be power-driven <laughs> as the people of God. Skip with me to 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. And we're just going through the mentions of the Spirit in Corinthians. We won't do all of them, but we'll do some of them. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. <clears throat> My message and my preaching, again, Paul is kind of defending his ministry here. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. What Paul was after here was, I think similar to, and I don't want to name names, but uh, similar to what we see, and I'm not trying to nail everyone who's on TV, but with a lot, of, a lot of cable TV Christianity, I'll just say this, a lot of cable TV Christianity has this, what Gordon Fee, great commentator, calls this triumphalism. And I think the Corinthians had the same kind of spirit where they just thought because they had the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like, hey, everything's okay. Or um, um, you know, there's, this, there's this line between, um, you know, sometimes uh, charismatics, it's a, hey, the name it, claim it, right? Everything's okay, and um, I don't have to, you know, I'm not suffering, everything's just wonderful, and it's great. And uh, Paul's, and this is whole, their whole wisdom thing is like, hey, we've, we've gone on to something better than just the original gospel. And Paul reminds them that his message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, because that's what they were adoring at this time. Since Paul left, they were after just who's the best speaker with the most clever analogies, the most wonderful speaking. He says, hey, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. So Paul's trying to say, hey, the wisdom that you guys are after, it's not the wisdom from which the gospel is born. In other words, they were after a wisdom um, or a power, rather, that didn't seem to acknowledge weakness. And what Paul is saying here is, hey, we have power in the midst of weakness, right? Not just power and everything's okay, but in the midst of weakness, that's where we get the power of God. Hasn't that been your experience? You know, don't you experience the power of God most when you're the most desperate for Him? That's what He's after. That is what He's after. <coughs> I remember, again, when I was a uh, freshman, by the way, my freshman year in college, fall, was just like honeymoon with the Lord. I just really enjoyed fall, freshman year. Just me and Jesus, having a good time, new church, it was great. And then spring is when kind of all this craziness started to happen. I think there was kind of a pushback from the enemy. I got really sick. I remember several times running to the infirmary, not being able to wait in line, going into the, the bathroom so I could vomit. Then I, they put me right at the front of the line right after that. It was great. <clears throat> Super sick. They didn't know what it was. They thought it might have been, um, I, I was about to get a spinal tap. And I didn't need to. Thank you, Lord. All this stuff. But I was also getting like really crazy. I was kind of like getting dissatisfied. Even though I had this awesome church. It was like I'd showed up at the Harbor Times 10 church, Antioch. And, uh, you know, I kind of got spiritually proud. I was like, this is cool, but I want more. And I had buttloads of cash because I had waited tables during high school. And I didn't have to pay any bills. So I was just like, I'll buy myself a ticket. And I'll go to a state where there's a lot of oranges and I'll go to a city that has um, a lot of uh, amusement parks, and I'll go to a famous person's church in this state. <laughs> so I'm trying to be really vague. So I went to this church where this awesome man of God is, not wanting to defame anyone, and I was like, yes, Lord, okay, you know, ca altar call at the end, you know, respond, right? 
And then, um, Keith, come on, come here, <coughs> right? It's like, yeah, I want more of God. I'm so hungry for him. My church stinks back home, so I'm here at this famous man of God's church because I'll get what I really need. And I come up to the front, and, you know, all the henchmen are up front. Sorry, I got to not be negative. All the, um, all the, uh, all the people are up front, right? And so, so, you know, I'm like, yeah, 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 come on, Lord. And, of course, what proceeds to happen? But just, man, just starts pushing on me. And I'm like, are you for real? Why are you pushing me down? If I'm going to get slain in the spirit, God's going to do it, you know? I don't need your help, right? And so I just, anyway, so I got, I was just like, I want this to end, so I think I'll just crumple a little bit, just this guy, so, because, you know, I'm just, we're just waiting, 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 and they're like, you're, you know, whatever. It was just, it was just phony. I'm just going to say it. It was totally phony, right? Thank you, Keith Grass. Thank you. <laughs> so I get on my airplane back to, back to Texas uh, and w- more, more uh, wiser about it. <clears throat> but I just, I had experienced, I think, what is, goes on in a lot of North American Christianity is that they, that they want power, but they don't want the power that comes because we're weak or in our weakness, right? We don't have to make anything happen. And I want you to know I'm so encouraged about what's going on in our faith groups right now. And as it's written in some of our values, just go to our website if you want to figure out a little bit more who we are. But one of the reasons we do faith group is so that we can experience the fruit and the gifts and the work of the Holy Spirit in a safe setting, right? That's one of the main reasons we do faith group, because I want you to grow in some of these gifts and fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? And what I love about the faith group is that should be the place where you can experience saying, hey God, together we're a group of people that seek out the power of God, and even our weakness, it's okay. You know, we're just learning, we just have a learner's attitude. And, and you know, I have to just say, I, I can't wait for there to be more faith groups for this to happen. Okay? Some of you in our church are ex- experiencing wonderful things in the spirit in the place of faith group. We have some rocking faith groups here, and now we just need more. They need to multiply, and I need all of you to experience what it's like to be loved and to be known. Okay, it's hard to be loved and to be known in this setting, but in a smaller setting, you get to be loved and be known, and you get to experience the power of God and his gifts and his wonderful things. Okay? Let's, the power of God, <clears throat> happens at conversion. I just, I just want to show a quick little John Piper clip. Any John Piper fans out there? <laughs> okay. When, um, when Paul mentioned a demonstration of the Spirit's power, this is what happens when people get saved. They experience the power of God. The funny thing about showing the John Piper clip is that John Piper doesn't believe in media during messages. He just believes in the superiority of, of just preaching the word. So, sorry, John Piper, I'm showing a clip about you, but I love you. What does it mean to get saved? It means that the devil is sucked by the, by the Lord and the eyes go open and the foolishness of the cross becomes wisdom and power. That's what, it, that's what getting saved means. You're, you were looking at him and he's boring. Why would anybody want to go worship him? And I got the television for goodness sakes and I got golf. I find that the most boring sport in the world. I haven't played a game of golf for 30 years. I don't have a line out of my budget. And if I did, it would be putt-putt. The light goes on, and you were looking at golf, and you were looking at television, you were looking at money, and you were looking at fishing, and you were looking at booze, and you were looking at girls, and that's life 
for goodness sakes, you Christians, you're so boring. And then, suddenly, late at night, light floods the heart and the cross is majestic. It's the sweetest thing a kid ever heard at age 23 on his face in a van in Pensacola, Florida. So are you saved? Has he become the light which is the joy of all your joys? Amen. Okay? We are... That's the power of God, right? Conversion is a miracle. That's how uh, uh, John, uh, Wimber, John Wimber of the Vineyard Movement, that's, he called conversion a miracle, okay? And it is a miracle. And yes, it's accompanied by signs and wonders. We're praying for him. But that is a miracle, okay? Spirit people, we are Christ-centered. Everyone say Christ-centered. Christ-centered. We are power-driven. power-driven. And lastly, we are wisdom-loving. Everyone say wisdom-loving. Okay, but what kind of wisdom? This is the thing that Paul's going to qualify here. Follow with me. It's kind of a, a longer passage. Follow with me, and then we'll finish up here. I'm starting at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6, and I'll go till 3, 1. Try to hear the arguments that Paul presents. He says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. Right? He's just told them all their wisdom is kind of bunk. Like, hey, all you guys hyper-worshipping wisdom, forget it. And now he's saying, okay, but there is a wisdom that I want to talk about but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. began. I'm going to stop right there and say, what is that secret wisdom? It's Christ crucified, a Messiah who came as a baby, lived a sinless life, and then died on the cross. That's the mystery, plain and simple. Okay? This can be a little bit confusing because actually this passage is probably one of the most abused passages by people who want to set up like this elitist thing, you know, that, hey, people who speak in tongues are the most spiritual, right? They abuse this passage because Paul starts talking in language that he rarely uses, right, about mystery and, and, uh, and, and whatnot. We remember the night that Jesus was betrayed, First, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the supper, he took the cup. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. As often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. And then Paul's admonition, actually the church at Corinth was, hey, you know, when you, when you eat and drink of the, of the Lord's Supper, we're celebrating the Lord's death until he comes again. So there's a real sobriety now that we want uh, regarding um, just our our relationship with the Lord. Here at the harbor, we just invite you to take it whenever you want. You just come up when you want. We've got three or two stations here. No, three. There'll be three. You just come and you take of the matzah bread and you just dip it into the grape juice. That's how we do it here. Let's ask for the Spirit to come. Clean our hearts. Wash us clean. Lord, we love you. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, hey, Phil, come on up. Help us out. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Thank you for the gift of the Spirit. Thank you that the Holy Spirit is the one who brings unity, not division. And we just resist division, even in our midst, Lord, actively. And uh, Holy Spirit, we ask you to be our instructor. Holy Spirit, you make us the mature, not worldly, but make us mature, spirit people, we ask in Jesus' name. Let us be Christ-centered in all that we do. 
Let us be power-driven, not trying to force something to happen, but letting God rule and reign in His power, power that brings conversion, power that does bring sons and wonders. And Lord, we're asking, Spirit, let us be people who are wisdom-loving. We love the wisdom of God that's foolishness to men. Jesus Christ crucified, that's foolish to men, but it's your wisdom. We just embrace it again today. Holy Spirit, just as we take stock of where we are in our relationship with you, we're just receiving by faith a fresh washing, a fresh cleansing. Thank you, the cross really is enough. The cross is enough. And even Jesus, as you entered, you entered humanity by coming as a, as a baby. Lord, you came into the mess of this world. Thank you, Jesus. There's no, no soul here that's too messy that you can't enter in and clean out. There's no situation, there's no family, there's no wounding, there's nothing too messed up that Jesus you can't enter into, cleanse and wash and deliver. Thank you, Lord.